0: You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode 13. Hi there. Welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishikavi, and I'm the founder of Third Suite. Third Suite provides a suite of courses and consulting services that help you as you continue the important work of building an exceptional nonprofit that achieves incredible results for those you serve. I founded Third Suite because I truly believe the nonprofit, or third sector, is solving the most critical issues facing our communities. My mission and my purpose is to serve you and to provide you with the resources that will help you achieve that incredible impact. And Nonprofit Confidential is one of those resources that we offer in service to you. If you head on over to our website, www.thirdsuite.com, you'll also find another free resource, which is our guide called How to Make Daily Progress Toward Your Strategic Plan. And you can get that simply by signing up for our email list. This tool is remarkably helpful when you need to demonstrate progress towards your goals, say, during a performance review or a board meeting. And speaking of boards, like that segue, today's podcast is all about what differentiates a strong board from a weak board or from a so-so board. You are building an exceptional nonprofit organization, so you need a strong board And this episode lays out exactly what to look for and what qualities to cultivate among your board. Strategically building a board of directors is one of the most important jobs of the executive team of your nonprofit organization. In fact, issues with engaging board members and importantly, encouraging board members to engage in the right ways is an issue that I get asked to consult on quite frequently. Common complaints I hear are my board won't fundraise, or our board chair is micromanaging our development director, or our nominating committee hasn't put forth any suitable candidates for board members, or our board members never attend our events. I can barely get them to show up to board meetings. These are very real and very frustrating problems nonprofit executives deal with. Now, before we get into the qualities that make up a strong board, we need to take a step back and first talk about what the role of the board should be. Because here's the thing. Your organization has probably somewhere between 12 to 20 coveted board positions. And to fill these positions appropriately and strategically, first, we need clarification on what this team should be accomplishing. We can't expect the board to engage and excel in their position of service and oversight if they don't know what that job is. Moreover, as the nonprofit sector becomes more formalized and becomes the subject of increasing scrutiny and regulation, the role of the board becomes increasingly important. It's critical to remember that the board does not operate in isolation. Nonprofit boards are subject to the changing environment including changes in political administrations at the local, state, and federal levels, changes in tax laws. We're just beginning to understand how the recent changes in tax laws will impact the nonprofit sector, and changes in the economy. As the market goes up and down, nonprofits feel the impact of that. And these are just a few of the factors that influence the function the board serves. So the role of the board is evolving, The function the board serves is dynamic and the board as a whole must remain nimble to addressing each new priority as it arises. Previously, we were taught that boards move through a progression from a working board to a fundraising board and ultimately to a governing board. But as the nonprofit sector has developed and changed, I offer that this may not necessarily hold true anymore. Rather, strong boards are flexible and competent enough to handle all three functions as needed. So rather than progressing from one type of board to the next, all three functions are in operation simultaneously. When we look at what leading practices put forth as the role of board members, I think this makes more sense. So according to board source, the board is responsible for 10 main duties. These are One, determine mission and purposes and advocate for them. Two, select the chief executive. Three, support and evaluate the chief executive. Four, ensure effective planning. Five, monitor and strengthen programs and services. Six, ensure adequate financial resources. Seven, protect assets and provide financial oversight. Eight, build and sustain a competent board. Nine, ensure legal and ethical integrity. And ten, enhance the organization's public standing. So looking at this list from the lens of a working board, some words that stand out are advocate, enhance, strengthen. These are boots on the ground types of functions. The only way to advocate for your mission is to be an ambassador who speaks about your organization and mission to others. And if we view advocating as getting involved in advocacy, then the board is really working on behalf of the organization. Looking at this list from the lens of a fundraising board, a key function is to ensure adequate financial resources. That entails building a network of donors, maybe making personal contributions. And finally, from a governing angle, we have the functions of financial oversight, legal and ethical integrity, and evaluating the chief executive. So looking at this list, and I'll include a link to this board source page in the show notes, and looking at this page, so we see that the board itself really doesn't change from focusing on working to fundraising to governance to the exclusion of the other functions. Rather, these functions are built into the primary purpose of the nonprofit board, and the board pivots to focus on working, fundraising, or governing as it is called to do so. For instance, once strategic planning has been done and the mission, vision, values for the organization have been reviewed and decided upon, the board doesn't need to focus its energy on determining these components any longer. Or once the search for a new executive is over and the transition to new leadership is complete, the duty of selecting the chief executive is no longer a priority. I cringe whenever I hear people say things like, oh, I have a governing board, so our members don't fundraise. It's absolute nonsense. The very basic of a board, the bare minimum a board is responsible for, are these 10 duties that Board Source laid out for us. If we contrast the nonprofit board to a for-profit board, oftentimes it makes the purpose of the nonprofit board a little clearer. So in a for-profit company, the owners of the company are the shareholders. And the function of the company is to make money for the shareholders. So the board members hold the company accountable to its shareholders. In a nonprofit, the owners are technically the public or the community. And the mission of the organization is to serve this community. So the nonprofit board holds the organization accountable to the community. And it does so by performing those 10 duties. Okay, so if this is the bare minimum, the absolute threshold for what it takes to have a functioning board of directors, what do strong boards do? What are the highest functioning boards doing that set them apart from your run of the mill nonprofit board? Strong boards go above and beyond the call of duty in several key areas. First, the board chair and the executive director have a strong working relationship. This goes above and beyond the role of the board to find support and evaluate the executive director. It includes building a trusting partnership between the board chair and chief executive that is characterized by clear expectations, frequent communication, flexibility, and open dialogue. So it's less of an authoritative relationship where the board chair is supervising the executive director. Instead, it's a reciprocal relationship where both parties can offer feedback and support one another. The second key area of distinction is the strongest boards actually blur the lines between board duties and staff duties. So earlier we talked about those key duties of the board, and this might seem contradictory to you. But I think the reason this works to create a stronger organization is that these boards don't see themselves as just a group that oversees the nonprofit. They see themselves as an integral part of the team and together board and staff work towards the mission. And what do great teams do? They work together and individual members chip in where their teammates fall short or when someone's sitting out, they step in. And in these strong relationships, staff don't see the board as micromanaging, but rather value this involvement in the organization. So the key distinction to make here between meddling boards and strong boards is that they step in when they are needed. They're not stepping in every single day, micromanaging staff who are completely capable and competent. They're stepping in when say staff are out on extended leave and leadership has asked for board assistance. There's a big difference there, and I hope that's clear. So the duties are blurred when they need to be. Otherwise, they uphold the standard operating procedure and stick to their assigned board duties. Okay, the next key area in which strong boards deviate from weak boards is that they are future-focused. So during board meetings, oftentimes staff are asked to recap the previous quarter. Program staff may talk about what was achieved in the last quarter, so persons served, number of people visiting the museum, number of pets adopted, whatever it is your organization does as its core service. And the finances for the last quarter will be viewed and analyzed. And this is standard for all boards, right? This falls into that oversight function. The board is fulfilling the oversight of the programs and financials, and this is done looking backward to review the previous quarter. Strong boards go beyond this, though. They take the information they are given, and rather than harp on what was done, they ask questions that are future-focused. So rather than look at the financials and say, this is where, where we are, they use this information as a tool to determine where to go next. And these strong boards spend more time discussing the future than they do rehashing the past. Going along with this, strong boards also do not operate in silos with, you know, your development committee talking about fundraising and the finance committee reviewing financials and the program committee planning programs. No, strong boards understand that these are all inextricably linked. So, Let's say the finance committee is looking at the quarterly financials and see the organization will come up short in relation to budget. They don't just stop there. The conversation then becomes, okay, let's talk to the development committee and see what they have coming up in the next couple of months. Will that make up for the deficit? Or perhaps the program committee is putting on a play and charging for entrance. Will that make up for the deficit? Strong boards understand that one piece of information offers an incomplete picture of the organization. Strong boards understand that they need a holistic picture to truly gain insight into the current state of the nonprofit, and they need this holistic picture in order to determine which direction to head in next. The fifth key area of distinction is that individual board members willingly bring resources into the organization. These, there are two words here that need clarification. First, it's resources. What I mean by board members bringing resources into the organization is that they bring dollars, their own and those they raise. They bring their network, They leverage their network to bring resources to the nonprofit, such as pro bono legal assistance, pro bono marketing services, pro bono media coverage. They bring resources such as volunteers to help at events. They bring resources such as friends to events. They bring resources such as donors that they know would love to contribute to your organization. And second, they do this willingly. I've seen a lot of organizations and leaders just pulling teeth to get their board members to contribute. I've seen board chairs try to make a game out of it. They'll, you know, pit board members against each other in competition and see who can raise the most money for the nonprofit. And while this may be fun, it's best for board members to contribute of their own volition. I've even seen some leaders give their boards a lashing for not raising money or volunteering or leveraging their networks. But again, strong boards are made up of members who offer these resources on their own. They don't need a game or a competition to entice them to bring resources. They do it because they're committed to the organization and they understand they are part of the team. Okay. We are on to the last two key areas in which strong boards differ from your regular run-of-the-mill nonprofit board. The sixth key area is that the board understands nonprofits need to make a profit. This happens with young boards, and not young in terms of the board members being young in age, but rather, I mean, young as in the organization itself has only been around for a couple of years. Okay, so the term nonprofit can be misleading for those who are new to serving on a board. If you didn't know any better, nonprofit sounds like the organization doesn't make a profit. And many boards perpetuate this by only approving zero sum budgets. Sometimes board members are uncomfortable with the idea of making a profit in a nonprofit. They're wondering why do we ask for money from donors if we have a surplus? But here's the thing a nonprofit is a business and businesses need profits to survive. The sustainability of the organization is dependent upon having a pot of reserves to tap into during hard times. Nonprofits need a rainy day fund to continue to offer those needed services when the funding landscape changes, and it will change. In fact, I'll go so far as to say as it would be irresponsible for the organization not to plan for a rainy day, and the only way to do that is to make a profit. Sometimes nonprofits lose grant funding unexpectedly. Or remember that recession from a little while ago? Without a reserve account that is funded by the surplus earned each year, nonprofits can't weather storms such as these. Now, I'm not saying organizations need to charge unseemly amounts for fundraising events or programs that are fee-for-service, but I do think all programs and events should be analyzed from the lens of profitability so the nonprofit understands which programs are profitable, which are not, and which programs are not profitable but are core to your mission. So you need to raise the money elsewhere to continue running that program. But it's important, so you're going to continue taking a hit on that particular program. Okay, getting off that rant and moving right along to the last and final key area that distinguishes strong boards, and that is they recruit board members for the right reasons, and they don't get stuck in tunnel vision. So strong boards are not looking to recruit board members simply based on the size of the check they can write. Rather, they look at the qualities they bring to the team. They look at each prospective board member as a whole person and considers all of the capital they can bring, not just their financial capital. This could look like social capital. Are they a leader within the community? Or they could bring an important professional skill set to the board. Maybe a lawyer would be a useful addition to your board. They could be a thought leader in the field your non- your nonprofit works in. For instance, If your organization serves people with a specific health concern, maybe a solid recruit would be an expert in this health issue. Maybe they work for a media company, and part of your organization's goal is to boost your marketing and PR efforts. Or maybe they are familiar with the community your organization served, which is called cultural capital. So let's say your organization serves LGBTQ youth. A board member who's familiar with LGBTQ youth, either because they identify as LGBTQ and either is a young person or is familiar from having lived experience, they could be a wonderful addition. They may have a point of view that differs from the rest of the board members. I will point out that while many boards do get into the rut of choosing board members for the size of the check they can write, there really are other versions of this tunnel vision. For instance, some nonprofits only recruit those with an academic background, so it's a board full of PhDs or some will only recruit physicians. The point is, strong boards don't have this tunnel vision. They look at the entire picture of a prospective board recruit and strategically consider the resources this person brings and how this person will fit onto the team. Okay, so just to recap, The seven key factors that distinguish strong boards from average or weak boards are 1. The board chair and executive director have a strong working relationship. 2. The board blurs the line between board and staff duties when needed. 3. The board is future focused. 4. They don't operate in silos. 5 individual members willingly bring resources to the organization. Six, they believe that profitability is necessary for sustainability. And seven, they don't get stuck in tunnel vision when recruiting board members. So there you have it. I truly hope you found this episode valuable. Head on over to www.thirdsuite.com forward slash 13 for the show notes And if you did find this episode valuable, I would absolutely love and appreciate a rate and review on this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back here same time, same place next week.